Hello, I'm Greg Howard Jr., and this is Don't Make This Weird, the podcast. Each week, I invite a special guest to talk about their life, news, politics, and anything else that may come up. Head over to the Patreon, where you'll get the random questions game, a secret from my guest. You get some merch for being a loyal patron, and you get this uh, whole episode uncut and without this bit about joining the Patreon. So head over to patreon.com forward slash springbreak83 productions to join now. My guest today is a star of stage, film, and television. Uh, you, you've seen him all over the place lately. Um, he's, he's the next big thing. Uh, please welcome to the show. He is the brilliant, the gorgeous, the talented. He is a national treasure. Please welcome Mr. Ben Bogan. Hi, Ben. Oh, my God. That was the nicest intro anyone has ever made for me maybe in my entire life thank you for that um so on this podcast we we do love a good origin story so uh tell tell the kids listening at home where you come from yeah um i'm from walnut creek california um i feel like my voice is a little deeper today because i just sang through my whole solo show earlier after being at a friend's birthday party late last night so i'm like (laughs) we gotta do some warm downs uh to like we gotta go steam um anyway i (laughs) I raised i was raised in walnut creek california in the east bay and um grew up doing theater there and then i went to the university of michigan for college studying musical theater and then i moved to new york city and here we are. All right. Uh, so what was, when you, when you moved to New York, uh, what was your, your first, like, big job? Um, do you, like, uh, any job, or do you mean in New York City? Uh, in New York. Well, because my first big job was a world premiere of a new musical that was supposed to go to Broadway, theoretically, but it, it didn't, it, it flopped. So we did a world premiere out of town trial in Toronto, Canada. So we only made, <laughs> we got lost in Canada. We only made it to Canada. Um, so that was kind of funny because it was like my first big job. And I was like, I'm in a show that's going to Broadway. And it like didn't. So that was a, a good, it was a good realization um, to say the least. And uh and then after that came Jersey Boys, where I toured on the road for a year. So that wasn't really in New York either. We rehearsed in New York. That counts. <laughs> but we toured 79 cities. Um, and, oh, wow. then, and then I got back from Jersey Boys. And then three months later, it's like so crazy. Like three months later, literally got my Broadway debut in Frozen. Um which is still just the timing of that was all pretty crazy. And so I did Frozen on and off for a year. And, but the only other, and then I did some regional, I did like another world premiere of another show that wanted to kind of move to Broadway. And we did that in Hartford, Connecticut, but that didn't go to Broadway. <laughs> and, and then 
post Frozen, I did kind of the last show that I really did before the pandemic was this off-Broadway musical in New York City with Gary Busey uh, called Only Human. And it ran for one week. We got such not good reviews that we ran for one week and we were supposed to run from October all the way to January 3rd or something. So the fact that we closed <laughs> till in October, we closed on my birthday. I remember, I'll never forget that. Uh, that was crazy. That was like the last real show that I did. I've done a lot of readings kind of post pandemic of new musicals. Um, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'll just say it. I, I'm finally doing a show uh, in Florida in January. I start rehearsal December 30th and that will be my first actual show post pandemic. So very excited about that. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations on, on that. Um, how, you know, a lot of people heard through the news and everything um, about theater actors and how how devastating the pandemic was when everything kind of shut down uh but but you lived it like how how scared were you well you know i didn't have a job when the pandemic happened i had already stopped with frozen i was asked to fill in a fifth time that december but i said no because I was taking an on-camera acting class. <laughs> and I had already paid for it. So I was like, no, I'm doing the class. Which at the time felt like such a weird... I didn't feel supported by my agents when I... They were like, oh, okay, well, if like Frozen was willing to like compensate you for that class, like would you... Those agents at the time, all they cared about was money. So of course I was saying no to filling in a Broadway show for a couple of weeks, that was money in their pocket. And I was like, no, I want to take this class with this on-camera coach because you guys won't get me any TV auditions. So why would I, why would I go back into this show when I'm going to take this class so that way I can get TV auditions that you said I can't get until I take a class? So I remember I was kind of, I was battling this like insecurity of feeling like I was disappointing my agents. Um... I had almost gotten another Broadway show, but then had last minute they went with someone else after I thought it was going to me. Uh, and then the like months kind of leading up to the pandemic, I like all, I had like callbacks for a lot of stuff, but then none of it worked out. And I remember I was really, I was like really going through it. I was already in a state of like my, I'm barely holding on to believing in myself. And I was already in a state of like anxious, like, oh God, can I please just get a show soon? Otherwise my life is a joke. And like, I was in this really not great state. So then when the pandemic happened, weirdly, it actually forced me to, it forced me to like take a step back. And you know, what's funny is I even had a callback for something virtually during the pandemic where I had to like film a self tape, like in my room with COVID. <laughs> like so I went through the whole thing but weirdly I actually kind of loved the beginning of the pandemic it was like so nice that like the only things I had to do every day was like order food and like watch tv and get my stimulus and get my unemployment and 
and though like things were crazy and definitely the world was crazy it was weirdly actually was like a nice reset um and then i got politically involved and then i got dropped by my representation um and so that forced me to then write my own scene film my own reel i posted it on my backstage account and i went no one's gonna look at this shit anyway (laughs) (laughs) and i got a job at lululemon during the pandemic and I started freelancing with a new agent who was like a friend of a friend. And the first appointment was a co-star on Pose with like one line. And I remember being like, okay, cool. Like, whatever. And I got it. My first audition with this new agent that I was like freelancing with, who was less known than my former agents who were bigger. And I was like, this new agent's not going to get me anything. Like, this is not going to go anywhere. And I booked it. And then I was like, what? And then I got this request to audition for this indie low budget feature film because they saw my reel that I wrote the scene that I wrote on my backstage account and I was like what okay so I like filmed it and was like whatever and I booked the feature film like I was like a lead and I ended up spending three weeks filming that film in May um and then doing a whole bunch of teaching this summer and then you know getting almost getting a show when things were coming back and then it didn't work out and then losing my health insurance, which was fun and dealing with all that. And then I started working with a life coach and I really started like changing the narrative in my brain as I'm like having the most stressful week this week and doubting myself and fears and all this stuff. And then I booked a lead in a regional show that I'm about to go do in Jan- in Florida in January. But I was like gonna go teach. I was gonna go direct and choreograph a production of Susicle in Jersey City. And like, that was gonna be my journey. And and I'm you know planning this solo show and creating my own art. And so yes, the pandemic was devastating, but I had already like kind of been in a rock bottom kind of state before it started. So weirdly enough, I actually, well, I still am broke as ever and like funding my own solo show coming up. Like I weirdly feel like I'm not at rock bottom anymore. I feel like the pandemic actually turned me into a person who's on their way to like being best version of himself. That was a long answer, but. I mean, speaking as someone who considers themselves your biggest fan, (laughs) I, I feel like you're, you're well on your way, sir. You are. Um, so the, the film that you did, um, is, when is, is it out? When does it come out? No, so like, it's been really weird cause we filmed it in May and it probably isn't going to come out until like summer, fall 2022. That's, I mean, at least it's coming out. At least yeah, it's coming out. I'm like nervous though, because I've like never, I mean, in po- on Pose, I saw myself on screen for like three seconds. You know, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like shot to someone else. Like, and even what was funny was the entire time I was like, I was just trying to be like, just, just watch, just listen. Just like, I was trying to not overanalyze what I was doing because there's so much and they shoot so many things and you think that what you're doing is dumb and like ridiculous and you're like, oh my God, why did I make, why did I do that? And then it's like the camera's not even on you or like, <laughs> uh, 
but with this film, not only is it lower budget, so you get like, they, every, they have to get every shot in like three takes of like, move on. If it's something takes longer, it's like, cool, I can like try this again or say something a little different. But also you're trying to not do something too different because you don't want to like mess up the people around you. But it's also like, you don't really get to rehearse. So it weirdly, film is like this strange thing. I really like rehearsal. I am like one of those people who will say a line in the first like four times, I'll be like, I didn't like how I said that. And then like, I'll be like, now I figured it out. And with, and with film, it's like, they almost like, they like the first instinct, the first impulse, the first time through, cause it's the most real and not, unless they're like a technicality thing. So it was a really interesting experience. And I was like in front of the camera so much because I was playing one of the main characters and there were times where I really didn't know what I was doing. and. I learned a lot and I learned to be really patient with myself and I learned to also like let go of what I can't control. And I was like, well, they said we're moving on. So they clearly liked whatever you did in that take. And, and maybe like, maybe Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman will watch things in movies and they'll be like, I don't like how I said that line or like that. I don't believe that. Like I'm sure everyone's their worst critic. So it really, really pushed me out of my comfort zone, but it also let me embrace my queer identity in a really cool way because I was playing a gay character very close to myself, a little more a little more of an insecure person than who I am. I mean, I still have my moments where I question whether I'm good enough, question whether I'm like, whether people like me, you know what I mean? Like we, I have my moments, but I think in the film, it was like amplified. Like this character really didn't love himself and like really didn't like, you know, know how to stand up for himself and really didn't believe that someone will ever love him. But like, it was all things that at one point I've had struggle in my own mind. So to get to kind of bring all that to a character in a film. And I got to have this like fierce footloose dance sequence in a studio <laughs> where I play a choreographer and I'm just like angrily like dancing, I'm supposed to be dancing freestyle, but I clearly pre-choreographed it was, was like, cool because we shot it 30 times <laughs> and they were like do you have one more in you and I was like fuck yeah I do <laughs> so like I'm half excited um I'm half excited to see the film half terrified <laughs> uh what is what is the film called Sunday brunch Sunday brunch okay and then I did a short film recently called uh rap Oh my God, I just forgot what the <laughs> short film I just did was called Rhapsody in Blue, A Tale of an E Major or something. I have, wait, oh my God, this is so bad. What? <laughs> hang tight, listeners. Listeners, everyone hang tight. Um, I am looking up what my... <laughs> Rhapsody, yeah, it's called Rhapsody in Blue. Yeah. Rhapsody in Blue, A Tragic Tale Told in the Key of F Major, the longest title ever. So I did that short film and I played a heroin addict. <laughs> now, I wasn't even supposed to be in this. It was just the same director who did Sunday Brunch, but I guess the guy that they had, who I guess looked a little more drug addict chic, dropped last minute because he didn't feel comfortable with like the subtle nudity that they were going to have. And so he calls me, he was like, are you free? And I was like, yeah, I'm free. And I had a like scruffy beard at the time, but I don't at all look like someone who would <clears throat> be doing major, major drugs like that. You know, I, I'm not like, I'm not like, you know, bone skinny, you know, I'm sort of 
thicker. Like, I'm, so I was just like, I mean, if you believe that I can play a heroin addict, then let's do it. And it was crazy because they, I saw a picture from one of the shots on film the other day and I don't even recognize myself. Cause he's like, he plays a heroin addict and he like is really violent and crazy and basically will do anything just to get more of a stash. And it was like, I know nothing about that. And I didn't have time to do all this like research and stuff. I was pretty much just like thrown in and I had to sort of just, I had to just dig deep to just like such a self-hating place that you would do that. So it was really challenging, but like, I know the viewers won't be able to see this, but like, look at that. Holy shit. No way that's you. That's me. Holy shit. For the viewers, I mean, for the listeners, since you guys can't see it, it's like I had these like really like angsty bangs, all this like messed up eyeliner and they gave me like lesions and like track marks all over my body and I'm in this like janky sweatshirt and uh and I like scruff and they made my face all red and blotchy and I had to always do I do the entire scene like with my eyebrows like drooped really low and kind of like with this like like aggressive like holding tension in my face and it was really wild because at times I was just like, oh my God, I feel like such a phony right now. Like there's no way that anyone's going to watch this and believe this. Like that believe that I, and I, I still am like, I was miscast. And the director just called me and was like, we're actually going to like create another feature out of it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I have to go call him back and be like, okay. Well, I shaved mean... my beard, so... Um, is, is there a, a role that you're like, just absolutely dying to play? Jamie in the last five years. I fucking love you. You know that? <laughs> like, Well, and you know, what was funny was like, I pre vaccine pre like in the thick of the pandemic, as I say, in the thick of the pandemic Lovato, um, <laughs> I, I was like, for my birthday last year, I got my friend Emma Dagerstadt, who was in the original cast of 13, the musical in LA. And she was, she played Maris on Unfabulous, the TV show on Nickelodeon. I got her to do this little outdoor janky concert with me, like illegally. Basically, we just like sang through the last five years with our keyboardist friend, like outside this cafe in Harlem by my apartment. And we, we skipped a couple songs and or we skipped a, lo- a couple things, but we, like we sang through the whole damn thing outside with a keyboard and two mics and the microphone that I was singing in truly sounded like a karaoke mic. So it was like, even there's even a video of it on YouTube. So I think it's kind of funny because I'm acting the shit out of it, but I'm like <laughs> also like singing into this mic that has like such bad sound quality. And it's like hysterical because it's all this like dinky cafe could um, give us. But I remember just being so fulfilled that day because I was like, 12 people are sitting outside in windy October watching me sing the last five years. And in a way I was proud of myself because I was creating art for myself. And then I did it again with Emily Schultes, who um, is a former Alphaba. And so we did it outside club coming in November last year. And that was like even colder. I was like, literally like scarf around myself, like <laughs> trying to belt Shiksa goddess. And that was like the day. Oh my God. I will never forget it. Ugh. That was the day before, after I had found out that my agents had dropped me. Oh, wow. 
and so there's a video of me if you look on youtube there's a video of me singing shiksa goddess and i'm in like a big winter like pea coat and i'm literally singing it and what was going through my brain the entire time was like oh god this is so sad but like what was going through my brain the entire time was not like i'm the character in this vote what was going through my entire my brain the entire time was just like am i a failure am i a complete failure like so if you want like a really interesting like video where I'm working through so much shit, go on YouTube and search Ben Bogan Shiksa Goddess because you will, and really I was very connected. Like it's one of the most, I, I like I'm proud of the video, but it's just very funny how like I was singing it and I was just like, I'm singing outside. What the hell am I doing? Does anyone care? Does anyone, do I, am I invisible in this industry? Like it's amazing how you make your Broadway debut and you never know whether you will ever again, or you never you know what I mean? I, you just never know. That's the up and down of all of it. Do, do you consider yourself to be a method actor? No, because like, I obviously didn't go like try heroin. <laughs> to like play the heroin addict in that short film. And I like to keep it silly. But when I was doing this like serious scene in Sunday brunch where my friend is like dying in his hospital bed and we're lying together and we had to basically just like nonstop cry. Like it would be like rolling, cry, rolling, cry. The only way to stay in that state was in between takes to like talk to him in character. So I was like lying with my friend, Jonathan, who's like in his hospital gown in his bed. He's supposed to look all sick. I'm lying there with him. And I had to like have these fake conversations with him where I was like, you're going to be just fine. Like, we're going to get out of here. And, you know, our friends are waiting for us and they're going to throw us a big stupid brunch. And I know you hate flag day, but we're doing a flag day and you're going to wear that, you're going to wear that jacket that you hate. And like, and I had to like, kind of keep myself in this weepy state of like, you're not going to die. You're going to be okay. And like, and he would then cry and then I would then cry and maybe like rolling and we'd start the dialogue and it was beautiful. Like it was one of those moments where I was just like, Oh my God, like acting is so cool. Like it, it was pretty, it was pretty surreal to be able to know that I could like train myself to have that emotional kind of depth. And it's really interesting because when you break down like that and then they're suddenly like, and you're out of it, it's like hard to tell yourself to like shut off again. Okay. You're fine. Like sometimes you kind of like stay really upset and drained and dark, like for a while. That's why some roles like drive actors crazy. Um, so I try never to go like that deep, but I don't know. I mean, if the right role came up that was really pushing me, I would maybe go deeper. I don't know. <laughs> we'll okay. um, have you set like a bar for yourself, like for, for a moment where you'll, you'll finally feel like that you've made it? Um, I don't know, you know, I, 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 um, I think that I was trying to do that and it was like setting me up for like disaster. Uh, I'd say that a year ago, um, a year ago, the concept of finally getting on TV felt unreachable. 
And here I am a year later having done that. I wasn't, you know, a big lead or whatever, but I, I did that. And a year ago, the thought of like playing a lead in a feature film, uh, indie, you know, not, it's not like it's playing in movie theaters, but nonetheless felt like impossible. That felt like that would never happen. And even the thought of playing a lead regionally was feeling like unreachable. You know, I've done a lot of ensemble work and I'm proud of that. And I've learned a lot from that and I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, and I'm still making a lot of mistakes, but I'm about to go play a lead in a four person musical with a regional company in Florida where we each play like 10 parts. And it's like a funny show. So I get to like actually be a clown. And so like right now I'm like, I've made it in my own way. And I think that as long as I keep doing it as like, I've made it right now. Like I'm doing a solo show. I am performing a one man solo show at Green Room 42 for an audience of hopefully, hopefully we sell out 130 people um, in New York City. I am about to headline my own thing in New York City for the very first time ever. And a year ago, I mean, four, four months ago, that would have been like, no, I, no, what, no, I'm not famous. I haven't made it. Why would anyone come? Who, like, who am I? I, you know, like, so right now I, like, I've made it in my own way. You know what I mean? I had two Broadway yeah. world articles written about me like about the show and you know and it's funny because my solo show is the same night as the opening night of company so I part of me keeps having these like spirals where I'm like oh, no one from the industry is gonna go to my show because they're all gonna be seeing Patti Lapone. like <laughs> so, you know I, I obviously I have those thoughts of feelings of feeling like a phony and fish out of water and today I was working through the show and I was just like oh, this sucks or you don't know this song you keep forgetting these lyrics so like blah, blah, blah. and it's like because I am such a perfectionist, I, I know what is good and I want it to be good, but I also am like forgetting that like the process of getting there is really messy. So similar to like, you know, the day I make it, I think people who are making it are also questioning whether like they're not, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. people who made it, they're like, why haven't I won this award? Or they're like, why haven't I done this kind of film or played this kind of part or been asked to, do these types of characters. I think that we're all in this state of like, it's never enough, it's never enough, it's never enough. So like, I'm trying to just be like, yes, funding this show right now is killing me financially. And like, I don't have all these like, you know, <laughs> great funds without a producer, but I, I'm making it, I'm making it right now because there's some people who will never be brave enough to do a solo show in New York City and I'm doing it. You're you're absolutely correct because I am one of those people that would not be brave enough to do it. So, I mean, you should know that I've I I had like a full on panic like a few days ago where I was just like, I mean, it's 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 like really scary. It's really scary, and like even though it's going to be like an audience of all my friends, like that's the funny part. But then it's like you want it to be even better because of that. You like want it to be, you know. So, um. The cast for the uh, movie version of Wicked was just announced. Um, 
you have any 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 thoughts on the two leads? Um, I mean, you know, I, I love that Ariana Grande has come from a musical theater background at the end of the day. Like at the end of the day, she was a theater girl, theater, theater girl first and foremost. And she's good friends with Kristen Chenoweth. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people have been throwing shade about Ariana and like, yes, have we seen Ariana be like flat out hysterical in anything? No, but Kristen Chenoweth is like a huge fan of her. And if Kristen had a problem, like if Kristen was like, no, what is happening? She would have been like, guys, what are you doing? Like, no. So I feel like Kristen supports her. So like, I hope that Ariana like surprises us and makes us like laugh out loud at her stuff. Cause we know she'll sound fantastic. No one's, no one's worried about that. I think it's just like, we've, we have, we have not seen Ariana do something like this, but like, I think that we should always like be rooting for someone you know, as people give, people make, people give so much shit to like Lin-Manuel Miranda, but like, he's doing what no one else has done. He has been a lead in the Mary Poppins movie. He's been a lead on Broadway. He is directing films now. He has produced, like, people love to hate on people doing things that they can't even do. So like, you know what I mean? Go Ariana and Cynthia will be great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I personally, I, I thought Ariana was good, uh, when she played Penny, uh, in Hairspray Live a couple of years ago. Yeah, Um, I, I, I thought she was great. I still sort of feel like you could tell that she hadn't done that kind of medium in a while with the dialogue, because I've seen Pennies who are like crazy. Yeah. Like I've seen Pennies who are bad shit. Um, and you sort of can see that like she was, it was still a little bit like Ariana Grande playing Penny, but you know, she sings down. And so I'm really, I hope that they really push her funny bone and push her to be silly and quirky and bubbly and like, you know, in this movie. So who knows? We won't see it for a long, long time. (laughs) Um, my question is, are you going to try to audition for Fiera? I am not tall enough. Oh, you mean in the movie? Yeah. Uh, no, I, A, I'm not famous enough for that. Like B, I feel, I just feel like it's going to be like Jordan Fisher. <laughs> like it's going to be one of those, you know, it, it's going to be one of those like either kind of Hollywood heartthrobs who's maybe dabbled in Broadway or Broadway heartthrobs who also like has a big TV. Like it's going to be Darren Chris or something like, you know what I mean? Like, and so that's no, I definitely, definitely won't. Uh, I'm still kind of auditioning for TV stuff where it's just like couple liners and stuff, which is fine. I'm still learning. I, you know, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Okay. That was that was for my own indulgence. That was- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love singing the Fiero parts, but I'm not tall enough for the show. <clears throat> so we have a listener letter. Um, it comes to us from Gina in Arkansas. Uh, Gina says, I'm a senior in high school and I'd really like to try acting. Um, oh, it's a two-part question. Uh, for her first question is, should she skip college and just move to New York? 
you know, I think this question is really specific to each person. Um, I can't just blindly answer that if I have not, you know, seen her work or see what she does. What I will say is that if you move to New York right out of high school, you will have to grow up very, very quickly. And I don't wish that upon anyone. Um, A, because New York is freaking expensive. And B, like, I don't know. I think people, people deserve to be able to go to college and not be harassed by hobos on the subway. You know, uh, I, am, I am glad that I went to an actual university studying musical theater, but also was forced to take courses that had nothing to do with musical theater. And like, and, and being on a relative, I mean, for the most part, a safe college campus where I could get super, super drunk with my friends and stumble home and have to go to freshman ballet the next day and not be like, oh my God, I'm like gonna go to like a big audition and, you know, for Broadway tomorrow when I'm not ready. Like, the I think I did like one sort of Broadway-esque audition in no I had like a callback for Book of Mormon my junior year of college for the for the gay one for um Elder McKinley and then nothing happened because I think I'm too like Italian Jewish looking I'm not like button nose Mormony enough and then I went to like an open call ECC for Jersey Boys spring of my senior year of college and nothing came of that. That casting director saw me again for a Bronx tale when I had signed with my agent. And then like literally a year later, I was cast in the tour as a Frankie Valley understudy. So like, sure, the little things I did like led to things. But personally, I mean, I think it's always better go to college, go to college, grow up a bit, get an education, learn some other skills, because you will spend very little of your time actually like working as an actor. You spend a lot of time unemployed. You spend a lot of time looking for the next game. You spend a lot of time figuring out how to get paycheck to paycheck and creating other op artistic opportunities for yourself. So I would say, make sure you're training, like take some really good classes, be in voice lessons, be in dance classes, be in acting classes, like be open to feedback. And then her second question is, um, what advice would you give to someone who wants to be an actor? You know, this answer has changed a lot because I think in the beginning, I was just like, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then after the pandemic, I was just like, I don't know, because it really depends on what you want in life. Being on Broadway, I thought would be the thing that like made me happy every day and feel cool and feel validated and feel like, look, I've made it. But the second I was on Broadway after my opening night, the next day I suddenly went, wait, now what? Like, okay, I'm doing the show every day. And suddenly I was exhausted and suddenly I was bored and suddenly I was like, oh, being town person number six in Frozen is not, is not the thing that like solves life's mysteries. It is a job. It is a job like any other job. And yes, it's exciting. And every now and then you get choked up being reminded that you do get to do this like special thing. Um, but it's also really grueling. And I think that I've been most fulfilled 
creating my own things. And even though at Jersey Boys it was hard being a standby and sitting around, but what was really cool was that Jersey Boys, I was like, one night I was on for this person. One night I was playing this character. One night I was playing this character. Like, that's what made it interesting because I wasn't doing the same thing every day and we were seeing new cities and I was overstimulated. But like being on Broadway is like very interesting because you realize that it is such a skill to not just do it, but also to be able to do it every day. Um, so my advice would be, Make sure that you really have thick skin. Make sure that you like have some really good songs ready to sing. Like make sure you know yourself because like if you seek validation and um, praise from the industry, it will rip you alive. You have to like know that you are enough on your own. And I still struggle with this. And it's why I go to therapy because I still am like, what is it all for? Where am I going in life? You know? So it, it, I think you just have to really make sure that it's truly what you want to do. And you have to be okay. I mean, unless you are a trust fund kid or you have parents supporting you, like you really have to be okay with like, you know, not knowing what's next and, and being really uncomfortable a lot of the time. And also sometimes you have directors who are amazing and are so kind and patient and sometimes you have directors who yell at you and who want something different than what you're giving them and don't like when you ask too many questions. And so you just have to be like, you have to have thick skin. So we are now at the end of the show. Ben Bogan, star of stage, television and film. Um, but before we go, um, tell everybody listening about your solo show. If they're in New York, where can they get tickets? Yeah. Okay. So um, I, it's like every time I say that I'm doing a solo show, suddenly it like hits me in my gut and I feel like I'm going to throw up um, because it's new and it's scary and it's terrifying. And I'm also not doing a show where I'm like, my dream roles are like, my journey to Broadway. Like, it's like, I'm doing a show in honor of having come out of the closet 10 years ago and in an industry that still rewards people for being masculine presenting and straight acting. And I have not auditioned for a gay character in musical theater yet, to my knowledge. Maybe I have, I like can't remember, but like, if nothing sticks out, then that's like not a good sign. That like, I being me, have never auditioned for a gay character in musical theater. Um, like, and that's great. Like they see me as, you know, more dashing, like, you know, whatever. But I, it's like internally, I still feel like that. Internally, I always still feel like this like nerdy teenage version of myself who like gets nervous around a cute guy um, and like wonders whether like they like, would be into me as well or like if I don't know like so I I never feel like this like I never feel like I think what people see on the outside um so I wanted to kind of do that I wanted to rake I wanted to like make a show about that I, I was like what do people not know about Ben Bogan and I was like they don't know that he's like incredibly uh vulnerable uh or like that like underneath the the humor and the funniness like there's like a huge sense of 
like years of like little heartbreak, painful moments that I kind of want to like look at. So the show is all about, the show is all about reconnecting with my teenage self and retelling some moments that kind of were like pre coming out, coming. I don't really talk about how exactly I came out, which is the funny part. I like talk about kind of all these other things. So I talk about like how I dated a girl, how I, you know, um, like early childhood crushes, um, you know, what growing up different felt like, uh, my first relationship, how it was the high when it's high and the low when it's low. And like, without going into too much detail, because I don't like to disclose that, but um, I don't know. The show is all about the story of my teenage dream, which was to finally love freely without fear. Um, what a phrase. <laughs> and, uh, and to experience that kind of fairy tale romance that I saw in movies and music videos growing up where I would go home and watch the Katy Perry firework music video every day in high school. So I'd see that guy kiss the other guy and I would be like, maybe just maybe I'll be brave enough to be able to do that one day and not worry whether someone's staring or pointing or, you know, calling me something. And, and, uh, and it's kind of how about like how I still haven't found that person but ultimately like the love that I am ultimately finding for myself and, and the healing that I'm getting from creating this show and getting to like unapologetically be like my queer self on a New York stage where I am the lead is like so new and scary and, and like letting go of all of, of my expectations of what I think people like, what I think people like want me to be and like what I thought was marketable and what would get me jobs and stuff stripping all that down and just being like a knight as you, not hiding behind a dialect or a character. So it's gonna be a very special evening. Um, uh, it's at Green Room 42, which is on the sort of like cool concert lounge level of Yotel, the hotel on 42nd and 10th. Um, it is December 9th, 9.30 PM. Um, tickets are selling really fast, which is like wild, but also I'm not surprised because I have been shamelessly messaging every single <laughs> one of my friends in New York City about it because it's the same night as the opening night of company. And so I was like, everyone and their mother is probably gonna see the opening night of company or they're in a show and like can't make it because it's Thursday at 9.30. So I was like, I have to make sure that everyone who doesn't have those two things as excuses is there at my show. Because the only way I make a profit um, from these things is if we sell out. And I think it seats 130, 135, something like that. And I think we are like 60, 60, 68, 70% sold, something like that right now. Um, I know there's like nine, the ringside seats are all gone, which are the seats like right up at the, to the stage. There's like nine premium seats left, which are sort of like the closer tables. And then there's plenty of general, which are like the cheaper $29 seats that are like further back. But yeah, the discount code is my last name in all caps, Bogan, B-O-G-E-N 10. Um, so if you use that, uh, you're good. But yeah, so the link for the tickets is in my bio on Instagram. I'm at Ben M. Bogan, B-E-N-M-B-O-G-E-N. So the link is in my bio for ticket information. But you can also just search Green Room 42 events on Google and you'll find it if you search December 9th. Uh, but yeah, God, it's like, uh, I'm like so excited, but also I still have so much 
nuance and work to do on it. And it's like, every time I'm like, great, tomorrow I will just focus on this. And then I like get an audition and I'm like, (laughs) so, but that's like kind of the life of an artist. You're like, great, this week I can just focus on, like, I remember I was on vacation in fucking Italy and I was like, I can just like, be on vacation and drink wine and have a good, and I remember I had a, like a self tape for Beautiful, the Carol King musical that I got, that I had to make in Rome after I had been drinking wine every day. And it was like that really hard song that's like Jared Spector did. That's like, that's like, she's been working, yeah, she's been working, yeah. Like, and I remember being in my Airbnb, just like, I want to die. So <laughs> I'm going nonstop but the show will come together and it'll be crazy and exciting and special. And yeah, I hope people, I hope people come. Oh, I will put, um, I will put your socials in the episode description as well as the link uh, to get tickets. Uh, so hopefully there, th- I know of about a handful of people who live in New York who listen to this podcast. So hopefully they will go and see your show. Um, Ben, thank you so much for this. Um, Oh my God, thank you for having me. I was like, I was like rehearsing the show with my friend and I'm trying to just get some of her thoughts and feedback. And I was like, you know what was funny is I was being so hard on myself. I was just like, this transition doesn't work. And like, I don't know this. And I keep fucking up these lyrics in the song and like, this isn't uh, then like, uh, like I was like getting so anxious. And then I was like, I got to do this podcast interview. I'm like running late. And like, like, weirdly enough, like this was actually so nice to just kind of sit and just be present for a sec and a little bit reflective. And um, so this was actually like really nice for my psyche. (laughs) So thank you for having me. Oh, good. Um, listen, anytime you want to come back, uh, give me a shout. I've always got a place for you. Um, I've got three other shows. If you want to come on one of those. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. And get, get yourself to New York City. I owe you coffee. I, I will absolutely do that, sir. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. If you didn't enjoy this episode, why the fuck are you even still here? If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at don'tmakethisweirdpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at sb83productions, on Instagram at springbreak83productions. Don't Make This Weird is a Spring Break 83 production.